Hi. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this is uh, Tara, and this is number three. I'm, I'm <laughs> praising the Lord that persistence is a thing. Tonight it would have been so much easier to go to bed. Um, he's been talking to me about healing today, which is I find very strange because I woke up with a sore throat. Um, and yet that kind of brings me to where we are. So before we begin, I want to begin as we always should begin when we're looking to hear from God. Father, I pray that you would take me out of your way tonight, that you would open my ears to hear you and open my mouth to speak your words. I pray that you would go before each thing that comes out and bring it to the ears of those who need to hear your words to them. Father, I pray that I would not get in your way and I would not stumble around um, and that you would bless the obedience that has led me to come and speak here in this space without preparation and without entirely knowing what it is I'm going to say. Father, it is a, a beautiful thing to know that you are faithful and to trust that whatever it is that you would have done in this space tonight will be done. So, Father, I rest us in your hands, and I praise you for what you will do and what you have done. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and insight to be more Christ-like, to love one another, to love you, and to be obedient to what you would have us do in the world around us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So, yesterday... I read something called the wake up call every day um, from seedbed.com. I think I've mentioned that once before. J.D. Walt writes, well, sometimes does the writing for that. Occasionally he has guest people in doing that. And he was preaching, um, or I should say he is teaching through part of Luke right now. And he had come to the place in Luke chapter five where um, Jesus has just begun his ministry and he has just called Peter and he has just healed Peter's mother of a fever. Um, and the whole town shows up and then they go out in the boat and there's the massive catch of fish. And as he's walking in one of the cities after that, there was a man that was full of leprosy as, as Luke puts it here. Um, and Jesus touches him. He stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And, and JD was captivated and fascinated by that. And he has explained, as I have heard explained before, um, if we look at other places in Jesus's ministry, Jesus is perfectly capable of just saying, be clean from a distance and it would happen. And the fact that he touched this man was not necessary for him to accomplish what he was trying to do. And yet he did because it bridges the gap. And that's something that I think has weighed on us as a culture for a couple of years now. Um, and maybe even longer because COVID did some very messed up things to our brains. But even before that, some of the cultural shifts have, have made it weird for people to touch one another in public. There's the concern that if two guys pat each other on the back, that they might be perceived to have some kind of a sexual attraction to one another. If 
two girls walk down the road holding hands, that there may be something more to it than just that they are friends and they like the contact of another human being. Um, but the reality is, is we as a people are made for touch. It's one of the, the ways that we express love toward one another, not in a sexual fashion, but in any fashion. We hug our children. Our, our, our babies, when they come out, the first thing a mother does is breastfeed them. And that's a natural thing where, you know, that is feeding them, but it entails them being held closely, skin to skin, physically touching. And that's one of the first things that we become attached to is that touch of another human being. Um, and we deprive ourselves of something very basic when we come into a space in our society where that is not normal. And truthfully, over the last decade or more, that has become less and less normal for us to touch one another physically, to hold someone's hand when they are grieving or hurting or happy, to hug one another is, you know, I see this in a lot of churches and you see that with people that, you know, we're huggers and they say it almost shamefacedly that, that, that is somehow weird and wrong and apologetically that it might make you uncomfortable. But the reality is, is we are designed by nature to desire to contact one another. It is part of being in fellowship and community with each other, that touch of a hand an arm around someone, the, the, the close whispering in someone's ear. You see this in, in the stories of the apostles where you see John leaning back on Jesus's chest um, to speak to him during the Last Supper. You see this intimate contact between people where you touch one another. And that was the horror of leprosy in that time was that you were no longer allowed to touch. No one was allowed to touch you. To touch you, as JD put it, meant risking um, being trapped in the walking grave that they lived in. And nobody wanted that. Um, that, was, that was one of the rules, right? And so as I was thinking about the story and thinking about this in relationship to the story that God had given me to talk to you about yesterday, the idea of, of small groups not being about Bible studies and not even necessarily class meetings, but about being in each other's lives, um, this, this necessity of connection. What happens when you had somebody with leprosy here is they were suddenly cut out of that connection. And we are suddenly cut out of that connection. We find ourselves in that space. And I don't think the church has recovered from that. So back in April of 2020, when COVID started to take the news cycle by storm and everybody was losing their minds about how horrible and terrible this was and it was going to devastate the world and we were going to have millions and millions of people dead in months in this country as a result if we didn't immediately stop getting anywhere close to each other. We, we made up words like social distancing and, um, and here in Virginia and in many, many places, governments decided that churches were non-essential gatherings. And churches capitulated and agreed to the notion that churches were non-essential gatherings. And so suddenly, 
on the eve of Easter, when we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, churches were closing their doors and canceling their Easter services or moving them online if they had the ability to, um, in capitulation to very unsettled science saying that that was the only way to stop a virus, um, which by the way, didn't get stopped by those measures. Now, hindsight is twenty twenty, And even with twenty twenty hindsight, there is still a lot of cloudiness around um, best practices with COVID and causes and what could have been done differently. And I don't want to rehash that because that's not really my point here. My point is what that did in the Christian community was to undermine our faith and our reality that Jesus Christ is the healer and he is able to bring healing when we call upon him and when we rely upon him. And when we closed our doors because of a virus and we refused in some cases to open for nearly two years for people to gather back together, um, we undermined the message that Jesus is allowed to heal. So that was number one. But the other thing that this did was not just in that. So the problem that came about with this was also a psychological problem in how we saw one another. Um, rather than seeing other individuals as people, as beloved daughters and sons of God, as beloved sisters and brothers in Christ, we began to see them as disease carriers. We saw them as threats um, and our attitude became, and I've heard this spoken by so many people, well, you should just keep your germs at home. And so we had millions of people who were being told day in and day out that they might possibly be sick. And if they were sick and didn't know it and they went around other people, they might kill them. And they chose out of Christian kindness to stay home and to stay isolated. And over the course of a year or two, they became fearful enough to really rarely leave their houses. And God forbid you touch them or they touch you. And so we had a swelling of sadness and sorrow and loneliness and brokenheartedness and people dying alone without human touch and people devastated by the loss of family members without the ability to hug them goodbye. Um, and we still have this in our psyche. We still look at somebody who coughs or sneezes as though they may be carrying the plague or they may be a leper, and we want them to make sure that they maintain their six feet of distance and cry out, unclean, unclean. That's not the picture that we get in scripture. If you look at this place here where Jesus is, is walking along the streets, what you see here is this man who by the Jewish law and by the common sense of the time, should have been 
kept at a very, very far distance, not even arm's distance because arm's distance wasn't far enough. That was still close enough to touch. He should not have touched him because that should have made him off limits and unclean. And yet he did. And then he sent him to be restored to the community of the Israelites with a touch. We are restored to community with one another with a touch, right? So there's that. And then there's another picture in Acts where we were yesterday. Um, you get a little further on than the original Pentecost scene. And you get into Acts 5 and it talks about how Peter and the apostles were teaching in the portico, in Solomon's portico. Um, and they were teaching there every day. And the Pharisees didn't dare to approach them because they were surrounded by those who were believing in Jesus and the Lord. Because this is after they'd been arrested and beaten and, and then they went and prayed for boldness. And what the people were doing, not only there in Jerusalem, from but from all of the surrounding areas where they were bringing their sick and they're broken and they're demon possessed and laying them along the streets in the hopes that Simon's shadow would pass over them and they would be healed. And so the temple in Jerusalem had become a hospital. All of those who were sick were being brought there to be made well. They were being gathered together in one place in the hopes that the passage by of Peter would heal them. The same thing happened, by the way, with this issue with the leper. The next verses say that after Jesus told him to go and show himself to the priests and told him not to tell anybody, that there were more reports about him that went out and about and great crowds gathered from all the towns around them. They would gather to be healed of their infirmities, to be delivered from their demons, to be delivered from their sicknesses. So we look at this and, and it reminded me today as I was pondering of a, a saying that I hate. <laughs> God seems to be bringing these up to me as I'm talking to y'all. Um, I have heard for years and years that the, the church is a hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints. And I will agree with you that it is not a hotel for saints, but I also don't think it's a hospital for sinners in the sense that they talk about. Um, I think it is a field tent at best, um, and a headquarters for a battle that we oftentimes forget we're fighting. But the reality is, is in the first century, the church was a hospital for sinners and saints both, but not in the sense of it was there to fix your sins. It was literally a hospital. The people who were sick were coming there to be healed, to get healing, to be made well. They were welcomed by Jesus and they were welcomed by Peter because there was an expectation among the apostles. There was an expectation in Jesus Christ that as the sick came, the Lord would act and they would be made well. That as the sick came, they would be touched by the healing power of heaven and they would be made well. And in the process of that, they would encounter the kingdom of God and they would be restored and redeemed to relationship with the heavenly father. Healing is all throughout 
the New Testament. It is all throughout the Gospels with Jesus. It is all throughout the book of Acts. And it's not, in most instances, a spiritual healing. There is, of course, what's coming next with the paralytic where Jesus says to him, my son, your sins are forgiven. That is a, a spiritual healing that we see there. But the healings that the Bible speaks of are physical touch healings or from a distance, physical healings. Jesus heals death. He heals bleeding issues. He heals leprosy. He heals blindness and lameness and, and muteness and deafness. He physically heals people's ailments when they come to him. And I don't see any place in scripture where Jesus ever said to anybody, if you're sick, you should stay home because you need to keep your germs to yourself. The Pharisees said that. The Jewish take on law said that. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and thirsty, or all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Jesus promised streams of living water. And in other places, when we see the concept of living water, it comes with healing from the tree of life with the leaves that have healing for the nations. The fact is, is that the church is a hospital. The church is the hospital. It is the place where people gather to pray for one another, where we are called by James to confess our sins one to another, lay our hands on each other and pray because for healing so that we might be healed, that we come to confess so that we might be healed because that's part of the promise that was given by Christ was that healing would follow the disciples healing would go because he was with them and that's that's what he does that was the point of jesus was to bring healing to a sin-soaked dying world that broke and was unable to heal itself so i wonder what it would look like if we as the church began to take that into account and really believe that. I want us to think about today, I want us to think about the people who have disappeared from our congregations, the people who have disappeared from our lives, the people that we don't see anymore because they have stayed behind the walls of their house in fear that if they come to church, either they will make somebody sick or they will be sick. I want us to think of those who got COVID and were made to feel outside of bounds. It's an odd thing. I'd never seen anything like it. But those who got COVID were often shunned after they had recovered and come back, after they were no longer sick and now carried antibodies so they couldn't be sick, uh, that they would be shunned because they had gotten COVID. So everybody was kind of weird around them and didn't want to get too close to them because they might get sick. Um, 
How many people do you know who are still damaged by this reality that the church said, you're not welcome here. Stay home if you're not well. You need to stay in your house. You need to stay away from people. Nobody should touch you because you're sick. You shouldn't touch anyone else because you're sick. How much damage have we done to our society with that mentality? How much has that harmed our immune systems for that matter? Remember when we were little, that whole eating dirt thing was thought to make us more resistant as we fell ill with smaller things to make us more resistant to the bigger things. How much damage have we done to the hearts and the minds and the bodies and the souls of our people by separating them in a time of crisis, by telling them you're on your own, the church is not the place for you to come or you to be during this time when the whole world is freaking out and falling and the only hope you have is Jesus Christ, you should stay in your house. Don't come to church. We don't want you here. If we are going to be a people who carry the kingdom to the world around us, we are going to be a people of Jesus. We need to begin to believe the things that, that we say we believe about this man and the things that he did and about this man and his disciples and the things that they did and about what he calls us to do. We need to know whether or not we believe that God is in the business of healing. I know that people get sick. I know that people die. I know that people have chronic illnesses that stay with them their whole lives and haunt them. I understand all of those things, and it does not negate the fact that the Bible tells us that Jesus is in us, he is with us, that the Holy Spirit dwells in us so that we carry the kingdom of God wherever we go, and that as the kingdom of God goes with us, rivers of living water will flow from us, and that healing is available through the power of the Holy Spirit carried in his people going to those who are in need and who are sick. And that we as his people are called to invite those who are broken and those who are sick and those who are dying. We are called to invite them into the presence of God. And if we don't want to invite them to church, that's fine. Then we need to go to them. Like I said, the first the first one of these, the first podcast of these, we're called to bring Jesus to people, not the other way around, right? So if we don't think it's safe or wise to bring them into our churches because they're sick, we need to be going to them. We need to be carrying Jesus into those places where they are sick and dying. And I don't care what they're sick and dying with. Do you wanna take precautions? It probably doesn't hurt anything. But at the same time, Jesus touched a leper. Are you willing to do that? Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have the belief and the faith that Jesus is real enough in you and in your life to go where others won't? To touch those that, that others won't? In the faith that God knows what he's doing and that he will bring healing. Now, I know there's going to be people out there that are going to freak out and be really upset with me for saying these things. My husband's probably one of them. 
Um, he and I go round and round sometimes about the issue of healing. And I will say to you that there is one caveat I will give you with this. It says in various places in scripture that the Lord was with Jesus for healing, that the power of the Lord was on him for healing. And I will take that as enough of a caution to say that sometimes the power of the Lord is not on you for healing. And you may know that. We go where God calls us, but how many of us are willing to hear him call us someplace that the world tells us we shouldn't go because it's crazy, because science says it's not a good idea, because we're afraid. But God calls us to go even when we're afraid and we say no. As disciples of Christ, as those who are sent as ambassadors for Christ, it is our job to go where we are sent. Our answer is yes to the Lord, no matter what the, the question or request is. Our answer is yes to the Lord. So who is it that God is calling you to go see today? Who is it that has been banished from the fellowship of believers because of illness, because of fear, because of whatever? We are supposed to be hospitals. Our churches are hospitals. They're not hospitals for sinners. They're hospitals for people who are sick and broken and dying and who are coming to be healed, not to be patted on the head and made comfortable in their dying, but to be healed, to be touched. Does that mean that nobody will die? No. In this life, we will end up dying. That is just part of the process. It's part of how you get to heaven. You actually can't have a resurrection without dying. That's how that works. But the fact of the matter is, that's going to be in God's time. And in the meantime, we should be busy living. And we should be busy healing and we should be expected that as we gather together, as we love people, as we go out and as we search for those who are stuck in places of leprosy, whatever that looks like in the modern world, and there's a lot in the modern world who are shunned because of some physical problem that they have or some emotional problem that they have or some other issue that they have or some contagion that they have. There are plenty of people who are isolated, alone, and shunned. Are you going to go touch them with the hand of Jesus Christ? Are you going to go where he calls you to go? If he's bringing somebody to your mind, I challenge you to go and see what he does. Pray about it. Bring him with you. And I think you may be amazed at what happens. We are crying for awakening here in this place. Every awakening that has ever happened in the history of Christianity has been accompanied by signs and wonders, by healing. That will not happen unless we are open and willing to go to the places where there is healing that is needed, to go to the places where there's darkness that needs light. Awakening will not happen without our obedience. It can't. But we do desperately need it because there are a lot of sick and dying people in this world. And I think I am at the end of where I need to be tonight. So 
I pray, Lord God, tonight that you would bring healing to each person who is listening, myself included, God. I pray that every ache and pain would go away. I pray that every disease would be cast out. I pray that every demon, Father God, would be bound and cast into hell. I pray that every fever would break, that all cancer would be gone. I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would touch each person listening from head to toe and that you would bring a radical transformation in every cell of their bodies. That you would bring the vibrancy of your Holy Spirit, that you would bring the vibrancy of the living water that you promised, Father God, that you would bring the vivacious life that comes from the tree of life. I pray, Lord God, that you would touch every single one who is listening, that they would begin to walk in the promise of the kingdom of God, that we will be made whole. And Father, I pray that your saints, as they walk on this world, as they are here in this space, that you would make them well, that you would make them strong, that you would make them physically whole for the purposes, Father, of spreading your kingdom, that you would do that as a testimony, but also, Father, so that we would have the strength to run where you tell us to go, that we would have the ability to do the things you call us to do, that we would leap over walls, Father, and fly like eagles. I pray, Lord God, that you would touch everyone who listens, that you would draw them near to you, Father, and that you would give them a testimony of your healing power right here and right now. In the name of Jesus and by the power that we have in your Holy Spirit, Father, and the authority that you've given us <laughs> the authority that you've given us, Father, to cast out sickness, and to cast out demons, and to bring healing. All for your glory, Lord. Amen. Be blessed and be a blessing. <laughs>